I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I am Trevor Cummings, your host of the Thoughts on Money podcast, and also your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. And I am here not in sunny Newport Beach, California. I am in here in rainy Newport Beach, California, which is very rare for us with my good friend and colleague, Mr. Sean Latimer. Hello, hello. And yes, it's freezing outside. Well, we, not technically. It's probably like 65, but it's really cold. We have an office now in Minnesota. So if you want yeah, to transfer, <laughs> I was talking to a client in Minnesota the other day and uh, I sent a picture outside of like the palm trees and the sun. And then he sent a picture. He's like, it's kind of sunny out here, but there's, it's like 40 degrees or whatever it oh, was. Geez. So, um, Hey, we are here doing something unique today. Um, our good friend, both of us, uh, Mr. Brian Tong, made a recommendation because he is forced to listen to all these podcasts and read every Thoughts on Money blog because he does all the communication here at the Bonson Group. David actually recently did his uh, Thanksgiving uh, um, Dividend Cafe where he kind of goes and says what he's grateful for. Mm-hmm. And he described the amount of work that Brian Tong and Glenn Hall do as uh, – actually inhumane because <laughs> <Yeah>. they, <laughs> they produce so much content. But I loved Brian's recommendation, and that's what we're going to do today. Um, he talked about a lot of the time we, we talk about ideas of planning or concepts, but what he really had an appetite for was um, to change the names and places of all these things, but to really give a, a actual client examples of how does the rubber meet the road and mm-hmm. why do these things that you guys write about or talk about actually matter. And sometimes I'm probably the exact same is that if I read something in a textbook or I kind of understand a scientific truth, I more want to say like, hey, who did this apply to? Who did this impact? Kind of walk me through the the real life scenario for this. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And there's a lot of things in our industry where we go, ah, well, that sounds important, but does it really matter? And then when you hear when there's people and their names and actual money that they need to depend on, it changes everything. It's not a textbook or a case scenario. It's someone you know, and now there, there's a big issue. Yeah. So in the uh, essence of practical application, kind of the first thing that came to mind for me, one other thing Brian Tong and I have in common, uh, we are both very uh, not very flexible folks, and uh, we've been talking a lot about the importance of stretching. Me, mainly because I had a recent injury. Oh, you meant like physically flexible. I thought you meant like... Uh... We're not personally flexible in, <laughs> yeah. in, in arguments and things like that. We're probably both stubborn too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, neither of us can touch our toes. Gotcha. That's what I was talking about. Um, and the, the funny thing, uh, and it's kind of the concept of what we're going to talk about today. But for me, the funny thing about stretching is I've gotten away with never really doing it. Um, I went to a, a stretch therapy place and kind of the, the flexologist, I think they, they called the person, was asking me like, oh, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I play basketball a couple of days a week. And they go, oh, you have like a 10 or 15 minute routine of what you stretch before. I'm like, no way. I just go right onto the court. And uh, I've gotten away with that my whole life. And I had an injury recently. And the tough thing about stretching I can't stretch today for an injury I had yesterday. Mm. So it's something that you can't be reactive really about. Um, It's this kind of proactive nature. And one of the things when it comes to financial planning that I don't think is sexy, that I don't think is interesting, that I don't think is engaging, but to me it's a lot like stretching, is this idea of financial organization and estate planning. Uh, it's thing something that if you sit down with nine out of 10 advisors, they'll tell you that you need to do, you have to do, you should do. But uh, who really wants to talk about 
um, money after somebody's tour duty is done. It's not the most exciting thing or interesting thing to talk about. But why I think it makes a really good practical application conversation is we, you and I, have seen the messiness when it's not done. Yeah. And it's one of those things like my recent injury, I can't go backwards and and start stretching so that injury doesn't happen. So this is an area of financial planning that you have to be proactive about. Yeah, it's true. And as uncomfortable as it is to talk about when people pass away and and what's going to happen with this or your kids, it's sad how easy it comes to mind now because it's one of the first things I notice, especially with people that have maybe done it themselves for years and you look at their balance sheet and your, your first thought it's probably the first thing you notice when you're open 12 different PDS from 12 different institutions. And you think, Oh my gosh. And I'll say, Oh, is, you know, is your wife or kids involved in this or they, they know where everything is. And he's like, Oh no, they wouldn't understand any of this. I go, okay. So if something happens to you today, what happens to all this? And, uh, it's that aha moment, but I know we're going to go through some actual examples, but, uh, it happens more often than you think. And the interesting thing is a lot of folks will come to you and you say, Hey, why don't you tell me two or three of your most important financial goals? And on that list is often, hey, when my tour of duty is done, uh, I want to make sure my significant other is taken care of. Sometimes that's children. Sometimes that's spouses. Sometimes that's grandkids. I, I don't know. But that's something that is extremely important. But a lot of the time people are thinking, hey, Sean, I want you to be my financial advisor because I think you'll be a great advice giver to that person. And and they're trying to kind of um, court that future relationship Mm -hmm. so that there's a smooth handoff. But what you're coming back and saying, it's not only the relationship, uh, and this is where I'll get into financial organization that leads us to to kind of estate planning. You want to make sure you have all your ducks in a row, right? In the sense like there used to be this proverbial blue folder that now in the world of technology, it'll probably be digital in the cloud and online. But, you know, where are all these important documents? And is there a central resource of where to access this? Everything from the deed to your house to your uh, life insurance policy to, uh, you know, passwords and access to financial accounts and different things like that. Obviously, you want to use security. You don't want somebody breaking in, but right. you do want to have this central place because a lot of relationships that I see, um, one of those two people uh, is kind of the CFO of the family, mm-hmm. um, and it, it, the other person is 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 great at other areas, but they're kind of in the dark in that area. So, um, how does somebody go about doing that handoff? Does that make sense? Does that resonate with you? It- Completely does. And maybe it's easy for us to talk about because we do it all the time. But uh, and it doesn't just end with the person you're talking to as the client, because I, you know, it's funny as we were walking in here, we we're thinking of examples of what we're going to talk about. I can now think of examples, too, where most of the time the, that CFO of the family, sometimes they're considered to be the CFO uh, for their parents as well. So like maybe they're going to be the executor when their parents tour duty ends. And it's it, it goes both ways. There's been plenty of times where I know in my own family, uh, I because my family knows what I do for a living, and we had a close family member pass away who wasn't married, didn't have any dependents, and organizing the financial estate was a nightmare. And where to the point where we had no idea what accounts were where, and we would just check the mail every day, and we would find out something new. Did you know there's a credit card balance here? Did you know that they had an account here? Did you know there was an insurance policy? And it was quite the process. It was a good learning process because now I know what I wouldn't want any clients to go through because it was a mess and I know what to look for. And now some two years later, whatever it is, you actually wouldn't be surprised if you guys stumbled across another account. Wouldn't be surprised or something was owed needed to be paid. 
it, it, it's pretty shocking uh, how long it took to to sell everything. It took years. Yeah, and so what I would like to do, uh, because I will just keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the in, in uh, kind of with what Brian Tong wanted in, in in kind of his desire for this podcast, I am going to provide two examples that come to mind for me, and then I'm going to have you provide whatever examples you want, and we can kind of riff back and forth on questions. But one that is personal, like yours was personal, and one that I've experienced actually as an advisor that was was professional. So uh, on the personal level, and we're going to keep these broad and uh, and not specific because uh, I want to protect the folks that I love that are associated with these stories. But um, it was part of my family. Um, I have a family member where uh, a husband and wife, um, they both were on third marriages. Um, so they, they had their own kids. Uh, they got married much later in life. So it, it might have been in their 60s or 70s um, that they fell in love and they got married. Uh, and each of them had three or four kids going into that relationship. So uh, everything was always uh, kosher and Thanksgivings were together and, and Christmases and uh, everybody was, uh, you know, it was, um, it, it, was a, it was a happy family. Yeah. Um, uh, as it usually turns out to be, the husband passed away first. Uh, that's, you know, statistically women live longer. So the way that uh, estate planning or finances work and kind of just in, uh, the, when he passes, where does all his money go? The spouse. It goes to his wife, yeah. right? And that just makes total logical sense. So he worked an entire career and a, a big chunk of his life before he ever met her. So what did he have? He had an accumulation of assets and different things and retirement and all of that. So it transitions from him to her. And nobody really thought much of it because um, if, if you're not an expert or uh, a thinker when it comes to financial planning or estate planning, uh, that makes sense. Husband's assets goes to wife. Well, um, go ahead and give a question. Yeah, pause. And when something like that happens, the last thing you anyone wants to bring up is like, hey, what happens to his money, right? Like, oh, yeah. You taboo, bring that, right? Yeah. You can't even talk about it. I went to his funeral, 21 gun salute. Like, you're not going to want to like nudge somebody over there and be like, hey, you know, like, served in the military. Yeah. It's awesome. But what happened to his money? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what ended up happening some years later, uh, she passed away and she did all of her estate planning. But who were her beneficiaries? Her kids. So his money went to her. Her money went to the kids. Then his kids were like, hey, we're over here. How did we fit into this whole living trust, yeah. will, estate plan? And they were like, oh, you didn't. So then family meeting, uh, which that was stressful. There was an executor and how, you know, there was houses. How are the houses going to be sold? Right. Oh, this family member wants to keep this house. Oh, this family member um, doesn't, oh, well then that person has to take, you know, cash assets and put them there to, to reconcile this. And, oh, I want this. I want that. Like that alone was hard. So then at the end of those family discussions, it was like, oh, there's these three or four other adults, um, that, uh, should kind of be included in this next generation. So let's kind of throw them a bone. So then a, a real small, you know, marginal amount of money was sent their way. And I, I, I'm gonna, man, I feel bad even saying this, but from an outside perspective, it didn't feel fair. No. It didn't feel like how what both spouses would have agreed on. No. But it was totally kosher. Yeah. It, it was totally legal. binding saying they have to give him anything. Yeah. And it, it's the, the, the kind of age old idea, if, if you don't have a plan, 
the chips will fall as they may. And yeah. that's exactly what happened here. So for me, when I first started as a, a, a financial advisor, that story, I was like, oh, wow. Like that's why planning is important yeah. because just like – and I gosh, maybe this is a, not a great analogy. But just like, hey, I have this back injury now. Like I wish I would have been stretching the last couple of years and uh, I think that probably would have been helpful. doesn't help now, right? Yeah. So um, beyond the grave – you can't do any planning if you didn't do any planning beforehand. So that is an example that I think is unfortunate, but that's kind of how the cookie crumbled. Now, I have another example that actually acted as the advisor um, for a widow, and I kind of cleaned up uh, something that was a little bit messy. But maybe do you have something that came to mind that kind of uh, sits well with this theme of financial organization or uh, estate planning uh, from a practical standpoint that you've seen as an advisor? Yeah, I, I do. I, and I kind of already brought it up, but if you are um, getting organized yourself and you're listening to this podcast and so you're learning about personal finance and you know that you're going to be responsible for helping your parents or if something, God forbid, were to happen to them, you're in charge of distributing those assets. Don't wait until then. Ask now, you know, what what is the plan? And not just so it's not a headache for you, but also so you can make sure that you do what they would want you to do, right? And if you end up going down the path of meeting with a state planning attorney and, and they say, actually, the way these accounts are plated or what the beneficiaries are, it wouldn't happen that way. At least you're addressing it now and not after the fact. Because um, like you said, that's the way the cookie would crumble. And uh, it would cause a lot of stress and anxiety, especially, I mean, how many times have you seen money cause stress in families to the point where people don't talk to each other anymore? A hundred percent. And especially when it comes to that almost bargaining table where it's like, nah, this is how I want this settled. And, you know, one person has authority over the other. You're mentioning to that, you know, multiple kids, it's not always the kids, but somebody's getting assigned as the executor, right? Mm -hmm. So usually that's not a surprise. Right. Usually the parents coming to you during lifetime saying, hey, you're going to be executor. So the the question that most people don't ask next is like, perfect, I'm going to accept that role. But let's engage in a little bit yeah. of discussion uh, on what that means. I know um, I'm an elder at the church, and, and one time when I wasn't at a meeting, they tried to nominate me to be the secretary for <laughs> for for the group. Or I don't know what the, the term is. And I came back, and they're like, hey, we nominated this. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, you take notes at every meeting, and then you compile them, and yeah. you do this. And I go, nah, I'm opting out. <laughs> so um, if you get assigned that duty of being the executor, you need to have those dialogues and discussions because – um, it shouldn't, the word's not burden, that responsibility is yeah. on your shoulders. And um, I, I think it was much easier to be proactive in organizing those things than trying to go backwards and clean that up. Yep, well said. So the early example I gave you, like I was saying, was from the personal level, and now I kind of want to go on the professional side. And we'll, we'll speak in hypotheticals, right, to kind of protect the innocent. But from a hypothetical sense, uh, let's imagine, and, and I experienced something very similar to this, that somebody comes in and they're a widow or widower, um, and they are coming to you, and their spouse was the CFO of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my hypothetical that I'm kind of running through my head and, and juxtaposing through some of the experiences that I've had, uh, this situation was, was folks got married a little bit later in life, right? Yeah. Maybe they got married in, in their forties and they didn't have those, you know, long-term relationships with the opposite families and the in-laws and all that stuff. So, and 
early in marriage, right? In in the first three or four years, those are the honeymoon stages. You're not kind of talking through like, hey, what happens when we grow old together? Right. And and, and if if something was a surprise to happen or, or different things like that. And there weren't kids involved. So uh, some of that like guardianship conversations and stuff, there was nothing really nudging that financial organization or um, estate planning kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, fill in the blank, a heart attack comes. And uh, one of those folks is no longer with us. And the other person that wasn't the CFO of the family comes in and says, hey, I know we had resources and, and I know we were we were diligent savers and prudent and all these things. I don't know where it is. Um, I, I don't know what it looks like. I, I don't know where I need to go from here. Mm-hmm. So then where does my role as the advisor become? I want to make this better. But it is very hard from a reactive perspective to make this better. So that's when my job is to kind of loop in the estate attorney and saying, hey, how are we going to walk through this from a probate perspective? Then I I have to say, hey, like you kind of have to go through your financial records, like bring me copies of all the statements um, of of different institutions. So in this kind of hypothetical that I'm providing, um, we're talking about like 12 different institutions of where money was at. Um, and what does 12 different institutions want? Their own paperwork mm-hmm. and a copy of that death certificate. Medallion and, signature. And medallion signatures and, yeah. and, a, and a certification, and all of these things. And then, so if that wasn't hard enough, enduring this while you've just experienced like this heartbreaking thing of losing somebody all in a surprise fashion, then you start to find that some of the beneficiaries were legacy beneficiaries. Oh, geez. Some of the beneficiaries were siblings. Um, and, and, and those relationships weren't even rock solid yet. Cause this was kind of a, a newer relationship. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, that's a lot to go through. And then to add to that probate is not something where you walk in one day. Um, you know, you might not like going to the DMV yeah. uh, and grabbing a letter and a number and, and sitting in line, but guess what? That, you know, that's X amount of hours of your time. Yeah, multiply that times a million when you're trying to do something through probate. Um, add the time, add the expense, add the stress on top of everything you are going through. To me, that type of story always sits very close to heart to make it so much more than certified financial planner textbook that we need medical directives, financial power of attorneys, wills, yeah. living trusts. It's like I have seen the messiness on the other end and here's the reality. That will not be everybody's story. That will be the minority story. But that story is so painful and so difficult and so time-consuming on top of a season that feels impossible. I wish that upon nobody. It's true. A lot of times uh, when people do come to us to kind of get organized, the heavy lifting is at the beginning because it's normally – you know, consolidating, putting together a financial plan, making sure things are titled correctly, beneficiaries. And yeah, it's annoying for the client probably to have to do some paperwork and move some things. But I promise you that's way easier than going through this process. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, for myself or put yourself in their shoes or whatnot, um, maybe you don't have deep and meaningful relationships with in-laws at, at this point if a marriage was new. And, and now you're going to a, a sibling in-law and saying, hey, I need you to sign this paperwork for the significant amount of money to uh, like re- redirect it to me as the heir. Um, whew, 
Yeah. Um, that is, 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 is not easy. And, and really that goes back to our earlier analogy. Like that's like 10 or 15 minutes of stretching, right? Before yeah. you go play basketball, like that's the, the benefit to doing that. So I really like that Brian Tong encouraged us to have this conversation because, um, you know, financial planning from a textbook perspective yeah, is pretty boring, but when you get into the 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 nitty gritty where the rubber meets the road and you get to think about real uh, kind of situations that you've seen or experienced or kind of heard of i think for me and maybe it's only the first chair person that gets the front row seat but for me it definitely motivates me there's that that old quote that says uh whatever the 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 shoemaker's kids go barefoot like i know for me like i turn around and i'm like after that, I actually did my estate planning. So that same attorney that I introduced, I was like, hey, we should probably get everything buttoned up. And those were long conversations. God forbid something happened to me and my wife. Um, are we on the same page of, of, you know, there's an order of operations of, of who we'd want to care for the kids. That's a conversation. That, that is a conversation, especially if you have, if you both have, you know, living and able-bodied, you know, uh, siblings or parents and they're local. It's, yeah, it's a tough conversation. And it's not one and done because what ends up happening as that document ages, those people age. Things change. Circumstances change. Yeah. Yeah. I find a lot of time I'll, I'll review an estate plan. And I'm like, oh, who is this person? Like, oh, an old high school friend. Why, why does that come to mind? I'm like, oh, because this person is actually the person that um, will decide uh, your medical decisions if you're not able to make <laughs> them on your own. And they're like, oh, yeah, we should probably change that. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So I think kind of uh, the checklist items, which are are pretty normal um, for a financial organization standpoint, uh, we actually have what we call vault checklist here at at the Bonsa Group. The vault is the secure place in the cloud where you keep these things. And like we said, it goes through, you know, the deed to the house, the different investment accounts, the insurance policies, the estate documents, which is another thing we should think about here of like, hey, do I have my living trust if I need one? My medical directives, who makes medical decisions on my behalf if I can't make them on my own. Financial power of attorneys, who makes financial decisions if I can't make them on my own. Um, a pour over will. A list of assets and heirlooms and things like, hey, I want this particular heirloom to go to this person and this one to go to this person. You stop a lot of fighting mm-hmm. um, if you're able to kind of list those things. Was there anything else that came from your personal experience that uh, you think would be additive to our listeners? No, I, I think communication is probably the most important thing. And even when you're using the, the document vault and you're putting together a checklist, uh, make sure people know the story. Uh, if Whether it's a CPA or an estate planning attorney or whoever the executor would be, make sure that they're aware of where to go, who to talk to, so there's no, um, there's no confusion. I, I think that just hearing your story about, you know, I can't imagine uh, the widow going to the siblings that she may not even know and saying, Hey, I know your list is the beneficiary, but can you sign this? It's like, what an uncomfortable conversation. But uh, I, I think that's where the planning really comes to play that if everyone's on the same page, it makes it much easier. Yeah. Even in that, it, it, even if something is not legal, it's not even a bad idea to just memorialize things. I, I've had uh, clients tell me things before that they're like, hey, this would be my desire, or my wish, this is what I'd want my kids to do for something that you and I might say, it's not like crucially important. And they're, they're probably flexible if it wasn't like executed. But it's sometimes I'll be like, hey, let's put that on a Word document. And let's just memorialize that. Um, and you, you put that in that blue folder, because uh, sometimes, you know, siblings or heirs or children or whatever, 
they don't know those wishes, but they want to honor um, right. that person at that point. And um, those things are, are helpful. I, I can't tell you how many situations where I've had folks that say, hey, I really want a, you know, a couple things for my nieces and nephews. And if I would predecease my spouse, I would really love it if they would kind of execute on that. And uh, we memorialize those things. And w- when that came, you know, I, I'm thinking of another hypothetical of somebody that, um, you know, got diagnosed with something where they kind of had an idea of what their longevity was going to be. Mm-hmm. And then we looked at those wishes for uh, some nieces and that was uh, honored and executed um, by the spouse and uh to me, it brought great joy because I loved that person. That person was a really good person that we lost. And um, looking back to see um, how they were honored in their wishes by, um, yeah, just being able to express that legacy. Makes sense. So, yeah, this was our opportunity to uh, kind of, by Brian Tong's recommendation, talk in the world of practical application. Um, where does the textbook collide with the real life? And um, it's fun having these conversations because we uh, remind ourselves of the value that we bring as financial advisors, um, uh, the conversations, the guidance, and leading folks to to things that are uh, deep, meaningful, and important. Absolutely. That's it. Sean just says absolutely. That's so it. <laughs> at this point, we'll ask you to rate the podcast. You can leave comments. We would invite both of those things. Uh, we have a really easy email address, Tom, T-O-M, at thebonsagroup.com. You can address that to Mr. Sean Latimer. You can address that to Trevor Cummings or anybody on our team. We will get that email to them. And um, on that email, you can tell us what you would like to hear on the podcast. You can answer questions. Uh, you can send us a box of chocolates, whatever you would absolutely like. Um, but most importantly, uh, we will be back next week with more of our Thoughts, Thoughts on, on Money. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.